Today we have Bo Lastovich from True Villains. True Villains. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Have you ever been to Maine before? I've never been to Maine. Nope, never been to the Northeast anywhere. Really? We're actually going there for the first time next month to go play a private show in New Jersey. Oh, okay. So it'll be my first time. I'm gonna Hell go yeah. Look around New York for one day, and then we got to fly back. Hell yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's it's different. You know, I think that whole... Like, New England has a vibe, and then that whole kind of mid-Atlantic has a, a vibe of its own, too. So, like, New York, Jersey, Delaware, Philadelphia. Um, it's interesting, man, growing... Because I grew up on the, on the East Coast, and it's a different kind of people up there. Um, people are a lot more, like, they don't have time for bullshit. Yeah, you know? I definitely know a lot of those people that live here now. Yeah. They have similar, somewhat similar personalities. Totally, 100%. <laughs> You grew up in Minnesota? Yeah. What town are you from? Um, it's called Big Lake. It's a very small town in like just like in the center. Like okay. it, with farm town. Or it used to be. Now it's like just real quiet suburbs. Yeah. Uh I imagine the winters were brutal there. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's like negative uh negative thirty sometimes yeah. with the wind chill. That is extreme. I, I don't know if it ever I mean, it did get that cold in Maine, but it was never consistently. Like, up in Maine, the sun would disappear probably October-ish. You might get your first snow before on Halloween, like that last yeah, week. Yeah, I was like that too. And then it goes, like, the sun goes away from that point until probably <laughs> end of March. You know, you start seeing it in March, but it's like spring is a uh, a horrible a horrible thing when you when you're in places with snow because it's so fucking dirty mm-hmm. and everything just turns to muck. Oh yeah. And then it refreezes again at night and then it melts all the next day. It just looks nasty. Yeah. It looks like Broadway. Yeah. Bar clothes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> kind of. Um, where do you guys play at down on Broadway? Uh, we play at Nudie's and the Johnny Cash Bar a lot. Okay. Those are like our main spots. Nice. Okay. Okay. When did you first start playing down there? Um, I mean, I, we, I think we've all been playing down there with different people before, you know, I, I started playing down there with just a different group of friends and then like true villains together kind of started playing down there like four years ago or something, probably. How'd you guys get together? I mean, we were already in a, a band long before okay. any of that so this was stuff. Yeah. B- was this before like you moved to Nashville? Did you know them or did you guys meet up here? No, um... They were Barry, the bass player, Matt, the drummer, and Tim, the guitar player. They actually were playing together already and had a different singer, and they played one show at that spot that was called the Blue Bar in Midtown, if you remember that. No, I don't remember the Blue Bar. Okay. Um, I mean, it, it closed down uh, probably during COVID yeah. or something. I think it finally got sold. R.I.P. Anyways, there was like like a really good rock community there a lot of like people that we're still friends with today um a lot of the people that started eat sleep rock like originally yeah, were yeah. hanging out at blue bar all the time and uh they played a show there for the first time this was when i was still in minnesota with a different singer and it did not go well and so then they kind of like put up an ad on craigslist and i was living in minnesota but planning to move to nashville so i was just kind of checking the ads just to see like What's going on? What are people looking for? And then I saw their ad, and it was, like, rock band looking for a rock singer. And, like, you know, they're all, like, professional musicians and play full-time. And 
but they wanted to do their own thing and do rock music, and then they had a couple little tracks that they sent, and then I just, like, recorded some rough vocals over it, just, like, in my room in Minnesota, and sent it back to them, and then we did, like, a, they liked it, so we did a FaceTime and just, like, met each other, and then I moved down, <laughs> and then we were just going to do a jam to see how it went, but when I moved down that night, I actually ended up staying with the, like, the guitar player Tim knew I was coming into town, so I just, like, drove there and met him in the middle of the night, like, went to his apartment, and he just let me crash there for a couple of days, and then I found my own spot, and then we finally did a jam, and then, like, played our first show at that same event at Blue Bar, oh, like, shit, a, okay. a couple of weeks later, and then it was just up and up from there. Damn, okay. Very nice. Yeah, I think uh, it, it's so hard to be in a band and keep a band together. For sure. Because you have, anytime you have multiple people involved in anything, it's always work. Yeah. You know, whether it's like someone you're dating or a, a family relationship, but like, I feel like being in a band, uh, just, and I'm, I'm not in a ba- really in a band now, like a band band now, but like just growing up and doing it and then playing in a bunch of things in Nashville, there's, there's all of these expectations and egos you have to, to manage and you start anticipating when some like something is about to happen. Not even a problem, but it's like this person is going to see it as a problem. It's going to become a big deal, yeah. you know? I mean, it's a relationship with like five, four or five different people. <laughs> yeah. so. And then, you know, some people are in the middle or like take one person's side over another. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, it's its own thing. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, well, like with anything, you have to kind of manage the relationship and, and keep it going because – if you let it fall by the wayside, then it can just disappear. You know, there might be that initial spark there. Um, if there is that initial spark, you just have to turn it back into a fire. But it takes work, man. Yeah. It's hard to be in a band. It is. Yeah, it's very hard. <laughs> so you guys did America's Got Talent. What was that experience like? Um, it was awesome. Uh, honestly, anybody that would even, like, think about, like, I would recommend people that I know, like, friends to, like, go do it because it's basically just like a massive free marketing campaign for whatever it is that you are if your business or whatever it is you're doing like involves a talent or a skill or like you know all the musicians here it's like why not go do it yeah because even while we were on the show this season there was at least i know there was definitely more than that but two people from nashville that went on to the semifinals with us like other musician artists and i know before that, in the beginning rounds, there was other people that we'd ran into that were also from Nashville that were just trying to get past the first round. Yeah. So. How did you guys line that up? Was it something where someone called you, or was it something where you're like, we have to apply for this? Or Yeah, so Tim's mom, the guitar player Tim, um, his mom has been watching the show religiously since, like, day one, so she's a super fan, and has been bugging Tim like, for the last couple of years, like, to sign up True Villains, because she's like, you know, nothing bad can really come of it. Like, it could help you in some different ways. Absolutely. And, um, and she's said the same thing. Like, there's not a lot of, like, bands, like, bands that go in there. There's, like, hardly any rock bands, really none. And so we signed up. Tim signed us up when he was back home with his mom. And then um, all of a sudden he, we got, like, a, I guess he got in. He did more so, like, talking back and forth with them. But I guess he got a message from them, and they wanted us to come to their auditions that were here in Nashville. And so we went over to, is it SIR or, 
I don't know. It was one of the over by one of the BMI. Re- I can't remember which rehearsal studio it was, yeah. but uh, went over to the, one of the rehearsal studios, and they were doing their like casting call thing there, where they just had all these people from Nashville going in there and doing whatever their talent is, and then kind of just like talking with them and videotaping it, so they could send it back to their producers and decide mm, the, yeah. if they wanted to bring you to the auditions round. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you really didn't have any expectations for it. You were just like, let's see where this pretty, goes. Pretty much, yeah. Expe- I've, I mean, that's how I was thinking about it. I mean, yeah. there's really no loss. And so I was kind of just like, well, might as well just go along for the ride and see what happens. Yeah. yeah. What did your family say when you told them? Were they just like, what? You're going to be on I America's mean, Got Talent? I feel like they were like, me too. And they like have never actually watched the show. So oh, they okay. really, like know a lot about it. But once, when we ended up, like, you know, all of a sudden we we ended up going out there to, to go for the audition rounds, and some of the members' families came out there, girlfriends or whatever. Yeah. And then... Um, the posse. And then, yeah, the posse came out. Tim's mom came out. <laughs> and then the next time we came out, it's like, okay, now, then my, my mom ended up coming out, and uh, even my uncle and uh, my cousin, and then, you know, everybody had their posse, too. That's cool, man. That's like, super cool. So... Was it surreal when you guys were on stage and Simon Cow is there and like Howie Mandel is there and Heidi Klum or? I mean, I, I don't really. I'm not like a celebrity sure. rock person, so it's like they're just people. Yeah, I don't know. for sure. No, absolutely. But it's just like with being under all the lights and the cameras and shit. Yeah, that was. Definitely, was it like pressure where you're like, oh shit, we're actually here now. This is real. That was definitely weird. I feel like I was. I was definitely more calm for the first one rather than the semifinals audition just because it was a completely different atmosphere. It's like the first one is... It's in front of a live audience, but it's not live TV. And if something goes, like, horribly wrong, you know, it doesn't exist on the internet forever or... uh, I don't know. It's just, like, not as big a deal. Yeah. It's kind of just, like, whatever. But then once we made it to the semifinals, then it was, like... And we saw, like, all the traction that we had gained. Then it was like, okay, this is actually, like, a great thing. Like, Hell yeah. You know, like, we should try to actually make it on to the yeah, next round. Yeah, Not yeah. that we weren't trying in the uh, beginning either. Like, we were going to give it our best. and But then it's like, okay, now we've actually seen what this can do. So we should uh, try to milk it for all it's worth. That first audition when you guys were still here in Nashville, what did you – what songs did you play? Or how many – We they, did you we, have to pick from a list or anything like that? No. So we had, like, sent them some originals, and they s- sent what they liked. And we played some, like, rock stuff, and then they are like, okay, um, give us something that has, like, an – I think she was just asking about our, our music tastes, and everybody said, like, these rock bands, and then Greg said, like – Greg said, like, Tupac or something like that. And she's like, okay, can you give me something that's, like, a mix, like, urban – and rock, uh-huh. and we do this cover of The Hills by The Weeknd that we oh, make, like, a yeah. super heavy version, and she was, like, all pumped up about that, and then she was, like, okay, and she had videotaped all this stuff, but then, you know, it's television, so then moving forward, it's, like, they have to get all this stuff cleared, and yeah. and there was some other songs, too, and so it's, like, the song that we ended up doing wasn't even, like, in the top two or three choices of what we were planning on playing, but it was what cleared. Yeah, you guys to be did on TV and Bad Guy. The, yeah, by Billie Eilish. Yeah, yeah. So it was what cleared, and that's what we ended up playing. 
Otherwise, it was uh, we were really wanting to do this cover of Believe by Cher. Oh shit! Okay. That we do, and the 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 Hills one, which also is just like the lyrics would need to be changed anyways for TV. Yeah. Um, but neither of those ended up clearing, and they they re- liked Blood in the Water too, like one of our originals. Like it was between Blood in the Water and Billie Eilish that day, and then they were kind of just like. They were definitely, like, pushing to, like, you know, just do a cover because it's the best way to, like, ease all these people into a rock band that they have no idea who yeah. you are, you know. Well, rock bands are – it's almost such a foreign thing now, you know what I mean? Like, uh, on a wide scale, and, of course, rock music is still popular, but the lay of the land now, it's, you know, like, hip-hop artists and DJs and people like Billie Eilish and Olivia Rodrigo. Um, it, it's completely changed from when I was growing up because there was still, like when I was growing up, um, emo was huge. Yeah. That was like the, the whole thing. Warp tour. Warp tour. Yep. Um, bands like My Chemical Romance, Fallout Boy, um, Blink and Green Day, and all of them were flying high. Yeah. But really, I think we've we've witnessed over the past ten or so years. It, it's not. Rock music and playing an instrument is not really in the mainstream. It, it's still happening, of course. Yeah. As long as there are 16-year-old kids that are angsty, there will always be rock music. True. Because I was a 16-year-old kid that <laughs> was angsty at one point. Um, but, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, I, the other thing I feel with about music, the, I think the, the coined term classic rock did so little to keep music progressing. You know what I mean? Because it's saying that everything great has already been been done, which to a certain degree, that, that period of looking at the, the 50s to a lesser degree than the 60s and the 70s, the music was incredible. Mm-hmm. But now we have all this advantage of uh, technology on our side. I'm very pro-technology in music. Um, I saw on TikTok yesterday an ai cover of frank sinatra doing creep by radiohead and it was fucking cool dude it was actually good i've, I've definitely seen some other frank sinatra uh, it wasn't it wasn't creep by radiohead though it was some like hip-hop or rap song yeah but i was like this is crazy yeah well it just and again i mean there's there's a whole thing you could say of like well morally is it right to do this or is it weird or, there's a lot of gray area i think I personally like hearing Frank Sinatra do a cover of Pimp by 50 Cent. (laughs) Yeah, that was something like that. That was what I'd heard. Uh, It's cool, you know. I I think um, there's so much that can be done. uh, And it's you get into this murky spot of like, well, this person's dead and it's not a real person doing it anymore. But um, I always like hearing it when I hear it. I'm like, this is a... This is creative. Yeah. It's it's an original idea, even though it's a mashup of two things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm a big believer in keeping it keeping it fresh. Is there anything that you've been listening to these days that's been inspiring you? I mean, most of the stuff that I like to listen to are like up and coming bands or like I definitely like discovering smaller bands more. Like I don't listen back to a lot of stuff that I used to before like bands that aren't in their heyday also because it's just like not exciting it's like they don't they don't really have that drive either you know they're just like 
putting something out just to put it out. It's for fun or whatever. But mm-hmm. I like more so enjoy the bands that are like really, really hungry or like they're in their moment. You know, they're like living in their moment and it, like comes across better in the music or or also something that's just like more modern too. You know, that's unique, mm-hmm. unique and modern. Instagram has been doing me a lot of favors lately by suggesting new artists to me. Mm-hmm. Like in my feed now, it never used to be this way. So thank you, Mark Zuckerberg. But I'm um, I'm getting all of this new music from these artists that have like a thousand followers, and it's been awesome, man. I've discovered some great music that way. There's this um this one artist called Smushy. He has a song called Mister Number One that I really like. <laughs> And then there's this other band. I can't remember what the, their name is, but they play this song, um, Sentimental Heart, and it's like a Texas-style country song. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just so fucking cool to see people in other places that are doing something creative and original. Because mm-hmm. I think I, I can feel like I'm in the bubble of Nashville sometimes where I think nothing cool is happening outside of Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um but that's just bias and it's bullshit. Uh, it's not. It's not correct thinking. There's people all over that are that are doing music, and that's what's so great about the power yeah. of the internet. Sometimes it's just hard to find because there's also so much more to sift through. You know, one hundred percent. Yeah, I um, I think that's the the other thing with the democratization of music is that it is the democratization of music. So literally anybody can do it. Mm-hmm. But because of that, um, anybody can do it. So it's like uh, to every minus, I think there's a the pluses far outweigh it. So, but yeah, um, when it comes to just playing and and doing all that shit, like wh- what do you do for your writing process for new music? Um, I mean, it's kind of different every time, but. Uh, we have our rehearsal space, and somebody will usually have an idea, whether it's like Tim has a riff idea, or Matt the drummer has an idea, and then we kind of like just build the songs together. Like somebody usually comes in with like the idea first for like a riff or a sound, mm-hmm. and then we literally just jam it out and build the song together. So do you base your lyrics, are you like intentional with trying to write lyrics, or do you just want it to phonetically sound good just depends what the song you know like the sound of the song the lyrics obviously need to fit the sound of the song Mm -hmm. so it's like usually first when we're playing all together it's like we're writing this song and i'm just ad-libbing over it i'm more so like coming up with a melody and then after that then it's like okay if this after this song is like partially built and there's like somewhat of a uh, melody established it's like what is the sound of this song like what does this song sound like it's trying to say or, like, sometimes there's, like, specific words when I'm just, like, ad-libbing that'll just, like, stick out, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then just kind of basing it off of that. There's there's sometimes where we've... Maybe some of these, like, these newer songs that we're working on right now or about to put out that were done a little bit differently, like, a little bit more of the lyric idea kind of came ahead of time. And mm-hmm. so the song was also written somewhat the like the music was written basically the the inverse of the way that you guys normally do it yeah yeah kind of it was it was more yeah leaned a little bit more lyrically because it's like okay this is what the song is about so we need to do something 
like instrumentally you need to do something that also is conveying that same message mm-hmm. otherwise if it's like too far off it's like it doesn't make sense for what the song is about yeah then it just turns into a frank zappa song yeah, it's just yeah yeah i think with uh with creativity it's it's always you just got to follow whatever the thread is um because i find myself at least when i was younger and less experienced with with trying to create and write and all of that I would stop myself before I got started because I'm like, well, I don't really want to make a song about that. You know what I mean? But I've found that even if it's something that I think is stupid or silly or whatever, then I just follow that impulse. Where if it's like, if I think this is dumb, then let me see how dumb I can actually make this. You know? Yeah. Um, Also, listening to Rick Rubin, I think, is something that's helped me a lot because he's done a bunch of interviews where he talks about just – creativity and meditation and kind of just letting the muse flow versus deciding what it is beforehand. Cause I think as artists, oftentimes we have this image that we want to put out to the world about who we are. It's also like just the world that we're in now, like branding and all that stuff is so important. So it's just, you know, everything is a business, you know, it's not just like doing music just to like do music. And it's, I don't know, you know, it's just like a different time that we're living in. You can't be as free like that as people could have been before. It's like you need to be thinking ahead of time about all of those kinds of things. Well, it's now you you have to consider TikTok and Instagram and all that, which, again, look, I get it. But I also think, like, they're they're necessary evils almost if you want to be doing anything today. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, you have to figure out, and I'm still in the process of fucking figuring out. I, I don't know anything about social media, dude. You know what I mean? Like, all I know is how to make stuff and then post it. And that goes, <laughs> that's my extent of what I feel like I know. Mm-hmm. But it's, you have to manage all of these different pieces because you are a business when you're a creative person now. Because you can't just count on someone to come by, like a golden hand from the sky, come to pick you up and be like, guess what? You've made it now. So it's, I don't know. It's definitely changed. Um, but we're also super spoiled, I think, in a lot of ways, too. Yeah, there's, I mean, the music cha- the music business in general is always, it's ever-changing. Mm-hmm. There's, like, for the things that we think about that are bad about it, there's also things that are good about it. You know, it's, everyone has a chance to do it. So there's not, you know, the overlords just holding you know all of the power it's like anybody could really do it now yeah but it's also a lot harder to make money right now in certain ways or like or uh have longevity yeah too because everyone's attention span is so short do you know the band year of october i i know of them but i i i don't know them they're really fucking cool firstly i love them they're fantastic josh and felicia just came on the podcast recently but um, the way that they run things, it's the best that I've ever seen it in Nashville. Because they, full-time, they do music. They're on the road like 200 days a year. Um, they're going, they're selling t-shirts, they're selling vinyl. Um, they are talking to fans and interacting with them on Bandcamp. Like, that was the one thing that, like, I really resonated with me the first time that I had them on is they said Bandcamp is where it's at just because of the algorithms and the way that it suggests things. Mm. Um, 
but kind of the way I've I've always seen it when everybody else is bitching, year of October is working. I've never heard them once complain about anything. Um, and, you know, like all of us, I'm sure they have their own shit that they have to deal with and their own trials and own tribulations. But I really respect the fact that they, they've taken Destiny into their own hands and are DIY to the max. Mm-hmm. They're truly doing it themselves. Good for them. Yeah, and I love to see it. Are you a movie fan at all? What kind of movies are we talking about? I'm not like into horror movies. You don't like horror movies? I mean, not that I don't like them. I'm I'm just not like... Like, I wouldn't consider myself one of those people because, like, our drummer Matt is, like, super into horror movies. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm excited because it's... um, By the time this comes out, it'll be October, but uh, there's a couple of movies that are coming out that I'm really um, excited for. There's this one, I can't remember what the name of it is, but it's a found footage movie, and it's set in the 70s. And it's this guy, he's a late-night talk show host, and there's this girl that comes on, and she was the only survivor of, like, a satanical mass suicide cult. Okay. Um, but they, there's not even a trailer online yet. I've just seen pictures and people talking about it. But um, So you're a big horror movie fan? Yeah, I, I, I'm not, like like super fan horror movie i just like good movies in general but this sounded really good to me um i don't know when it's coming out i'm sorry danny i'm being no help i don't remember what the name of this shit is um but you're good i just figured i'd try yeah yeah it, it i know the actor he was in like the lead actor he was in suicide squad the suicide squad the sequel Okay. Was it uh, Jared Leto? No, or? no. This is he was like a minor character in the movie. Oh, he played okay. this character called Polka Dot Man. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was. Uh, I'm pretty excited for this. And then there's another movie called Good Boy that's coming out. Look up the trailer for Good Boy, Danny. It's a, a French movie. This is awesome. <laughs> Just watch YouTube videos right here. Okay, this looks so fucked up, dude. This looks like that. TV show about the guy that's always just high and his dog is talking constantly. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, Wilfred. Wilfred. Yeah, this is like the dark version of that. And they're British or English or? Uh, French. Oh, they're French. Okay. Yeah, so th- this movie, it's basically about a dude who meets this chick and she finds out that he keeps a guy who's a man and in, uh, in like dressed as a dog in his house. She does or he does? She finds oh, out. Oh, he's got a dog. Yeah. It's super fucked up. I feel like subtitles would help a lot. Yeah, I, I'm surprised there wasn't there was subtitles on when I when I originally saw this, this trailer. This movie is someone's fantasy, though. It's not even a horror movie well, for some people. You're 100 percent <laughs> right. That's why I think it is so horrifying uh, because this is happening somewhere in the world right now. Oh, for sure. Yeah, somebody's doing this right now. Yeah, it's super. Uh, <laughs> Super dark and fucked up, but... Okay, you can, you, you can stop it, Danny. Um, 
but yeah, just shit like that. Uh, I don't know. There's just something about it where it it's so horrific because to me, like because it's real, you know. Like there's no demons, there's no zombies, but this shit that's real. Just some very uh, strange people. Yeah. Yeah, the world is a strange place. No offense if that's you out there. You you do you. Yeah, yeah, you do you. Keep a keep a man in the dog suit, I guess. Or if you want to be the dog, I mean, like if you're the if you're the dog person. Were you gonna say something, Danny? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, Wilfred w- was a great show, though. I I loved Wilfred. It's one of my all time uh, all time favorites. When I first got into smoking weed, that's what I would always would just watch. watch Wilfred. Yeah, I would always watch Wilfred. It was that work workaholics, and it's always sunny. Nice. Those are like my big three in my stoner days. Stoner days are over. Yeah, I don't really smoke. Um, You're in retirement. Yeah, because honestly, I get really bad panic attacks now. Because a couple of years ago, I had, I had smoked, and it was laced with. Um, with cocaine, and I didn't know it, and uh, I almost fucking died that night. It was bad. Like, my, my lungs were pulsating, my heart was pulsating, I was passing out, puking everywhere, and um, I went to the hospital, and they said, yeah, your weed was uh, was laced with cocaine, because they had tested my pee and all that shit. Like bad coke? Like fentanyl coke? I don't like... know. I, it might have been. They just told me it was laced with cocaine. Like, I didn't really ask de- details, but... Um, it was freaky as fuck, but I, I used to love smoking weed. I wish I... I That'd be s- enough to probably ruin it, yeah, if you yeah. think you're going to die. Yeah, I, I, I have done it a few times since then, but it's like every time I do it now, I feel like a panic attack. Like coming probably on. just have that in your subconscious, too, like in the back of your brain. Because I immediately was like, last time I was like this. Yeah, I associated with that yeah, feeling or exactly. Thought. Exactly. It's it's like, uh, I, I don't know how to break that. If I could, I... I 100% would, because I used to just love getting getting high. I think I think I'm the only person in my entire friend group that probably doesn't smoke weed. Is that is that accurate, Danny? Is there anybody else? Um, in our immediate friend group. I mean, I, don't, I guess you don't yeah. have to name names, obviously. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I'm not 100% sure, but it sounds pretty close to right. Yeah. Yeah. I hang out with a bunch of fucking degenerates, dude. It's all right. They're all drug addicts. You take care of them. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Um, Danny, what have you uh what have you had going on lately, bud? I feel like I haven't seen you much. Uh, well, I mean, we just did the writers round uh, last right. week. Yeah, we did a writers round. Um, I mean, I've been working a lot myself, but uh we we've got some eat sleep rock Nashville stuff in the works. Nothing that's announced yet, but um, definitely trying to put together some more like big shows coming soon. Fuck yeah. yeah, yeah. The writers round was super fun, dude. We did a writers round at the five spot. I saw that on your Instagram. Yeah, it was super cool. Um, we had Jackie Saturday, um, Jacks Hollow. Uh, who else was on it, Danny? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, so we also had, um, man, hold on, Presley, Cash. yeah, Cali Cash, Presley, Prince Parker was playing guitar for Presley. Dude, Prince is fucking good, do you know him? 
Yeah. He plays with... Uh, with Scotty. Yes. Garden of Eden. Yes. The, he, he play, he's a lefty. Yes. He plays the red strat. Yep. He's fucking ridiculous. He's an amazing player. He was at the... Was he at the Leonard Skidder tribute? Or maybe I just saw some yeah. videos when he was at the... When he, they were, y'all were doing the Zeppelin... Yeah, he was at both. I think he was at both, actually, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. But, yeah, it was super fun. I was kind of blown away um, by Callie Cash. I thought she was fantastic. She's kind of a, a country. she got, like, a real country voice, but her voice is beautiful, dude. Callie Cash. Um, yeah, Callie Cash. Uh, to me, what her voice reminds me of is... It's the last voice a prisoner on death row would want to hear. Like, those are the kind of songs she writes. I feel like they're very honest and kind of raw. Okay. I've never, I've never heard of her. She's super good. Very talented. Um, but, yeah, she was good. And then Jax Hollow was, was really good. And then Jasmine was the, the other standout to me. Jasmine from, uh, from Sheedonist. Mm-hmm. Um. Plus, she played this super badass Telecaster. Um, it's With like a lot a, of like female artists there. Um, we try and have it pretty balanced for the most part. Okay. Uh, of both uh, men and women um, to keep, you know, I I just want to I want to support all different kinds of artists. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's her Telecaster. Just scroll up so we can look at that fucking telly, dude. Oh yeah, there it that's is. Cool. That's a sexy Telecaster. So it's um, she said a Nashville telly. So it has, I think the middle pickup is a Stratocaster pickup, uh-huh. but I'm a sucker for the fucking vintage Fender colors like that, the weirder ones. I love all that shit. Yeah, it looks cool. It's a vintage Super look. cool. Yeah, there we Just go. Just the colors. Yeah, but she was great too. Um, she, she said she really doesn't do writer's rounds that often. I, I've never seen them play, but I want to make an, make an effort to go... See them she now. brought her whole band to the writers' round, or she just—it was just her. Okay. Yeah, it was just her performing, doing a broken down thing. Yeah. So it's it's kind of fun to see people because that, that's the other thing I feel her like. Band a, looks like rock dudes. It, it is, yeah. It should, it's so this writers' round, it's it's all pretty much like rock players for the most part, okay. um, or rock adjacent. Because um, I feel like in Nashville, there's not many rock writers' rounds. Or alternative writers rounds. I know uh, Vern; they're good friends of mine. They're they do a writers round as well. But yeah, it was um, it was really fucking cool. Was there anything that stuck out to you at the show, Danny? Um, <clears throat> I mean, dude, that jam between uh, where like Prince started playing with the reveal because uh, Josh jumped on stage yeah, to play Brother a song Dusty with Dusty, playing. and they played their. Uh, three dollar blues song uh-huh. and then uh prince started like doing all the solos and afterwards we all went to five points to get some pizza and i asked prince i was like dude i was like uh or no i didn't ask i was like um i was like man you're the only person who can turn a writer's round into a jam and he was like dude i was gonna ask i was gonna suggest that jack so- hollow took a solo but he was like i got nervous and i was like dude you should have done it that would have been so awesome Isaac from the Weird Sisters did it as well. And Isaac, he usually, he, he's never in that kind of setting with just him and an acoustic guitar. Um, that's kind of why I the wanted Weird to. Weird Sisters, I've heard of them. Yeah, the Weird Sisters are badass. So I, I used to play bass for them. Um, but 
it was a really cool thing to kind of see Isaac. Oh, is this videos from the writers' round? Yeah, I have some. If you want me to post, yeah, them yeah, p- play some. Let's see. I think one of the. I'm gonna. I think this is actually the jam because I got it on. on this I'm looks gonna... like it's probably Presley singing. Oh yeah, never mind. Let's see. That's the girl from the. She, I think the it was she, close she, to the. Uh no no so. Um, Presley's a solo artist. No, this is Brother Dusty plan. I'm trying to go to the. Oh, there yeah, we here. go. The jam. Yeah, it's right here. Yeah, I think it's. So Josh jumped up. Can you fast forward a little bit to uh, to print shredding? I think he does it like right, right here. I think. Fucking good, dude. That's enough of that, Danny. That's we're good on that. But yeah, man, it, it's really cool to be able to do something like that writer's round because it's different than I feel like your typical writer's round. Because when I always thought of them in Nashville. You think of like dudes that want to be John Mayer and then the ladies that want to be T-Swift. You know what I mean? It's like, um, but I, that seems I, like a little bit more of like a homie hang too, though. Cause all these people are y'all's friends related or 100%. Like someone, you know, it's not just a bunch of strangers getting up there and playing their song. And you know, some of those people are like distanced from each other and they don't even talk to each other. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. So we wanted to very much have, Kind of a, a hang vibe. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what I meant by more. Like yeah, 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 and um, it's just crazy in, in those moments because it's like you know I've, I've met a couple artists that I didn't really know just because we were trying to book a show who's available yeah. on this day and on this time. Um, but it was really cool to just kind of see that and get everybody booked of people that I've wanted to see. Like I've wanted to see Callie Cash play for a long time. And I just never had the opportunity, so I hit her up and was like, hey, do you want to do this? Mm-hmm. She was like, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, yeah, I was just kind of blown away. This is the second one that we've done. The first one was pretty cool, too. We had uh, Josh played and then Aubrey from Violent Moons played. Okay. Um, and a, just a couple other people like that who were kind of around and in the scene. 
Um, it's mainly like East Nashville and Broadway adjacent okay. musicians. Um, and even people that, you know, they're not necessarily known for being singers or they have a side project or whatever. Those, those are, that's another flavor that I want to have as part of these writers rounds to mm-hmm. keep, keep things fresh. And then also the people that I know who are good, who don't, who are really good at one thing, but like everybody here is good at more than just one thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that that's also another thing that's important to me is just kind of getting everybody to, to have a chance to stretch their legs a little bit and do something different. For sure. But, yeah, it was it was super rewarding. Plus, the five spot is badass. Yeah, I love that venue. What's your favorite venue in town to play at? Probably the Basement East. Really? I don't know something about that spot that's – it's like – like bigger, but it's not too big, you know. It's it still, still intimate. feels, yeah. It's still intimate. Sound there has always been good, and the lights. I don't know, it's just cool. Got a cool vibe to it. Yeah, yeah, it does. The first um, show that I saw at the Basement East was the year I moved here in 2015. It was KG Elephant. Oh, that'd be awesome. It was, they were playing there? They were playing there. It was when they released the album, Tell Me I'm Pretty. Do you know that album? That's the one what they... songs are on it? Uh, so that's the one with um, Mess Around. Okay. And Troubled on my Land. Yes. Trouble. That's when they kind of like went a little bit less the rock. To me, they like tamed down. It's like less rock. Well, Dan from the Black Keys produced that one. Indie-ish. Um, was it in 2015? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was in 2015. Um, but yeah, it was a sold out show, um, just on like a, I don't know what day of the week it was. It, w- it would have been in December of 2015. Cause I think it was the December 20th. Actually. I think that's the day that the record came out or maybe like December 18th or some shit like that. Hmm. I'm seeing a lot of May. 2015, May 15th, 2015. Yeah, I remember. Oh, wait, Tell Me I'm Pretty Release uh, and Mess Around. Yeah, I think this that, is. It, it might have been it, December 18th when the show actually was. Oh, well, maybe like they did a Grimy's appearance, too. Yeah, because like. um, th- that was the day that the record came out. And uh, I was dating this girl at the time, and I really wanted to go to the show. And I'm like, do you want to go to the show? Can we go tonight? Because I was hanging out with her. And she was, she was just like, no, I don't really want to go. And I was like, it's sold out. We would have to wait for tickets. And um, she's like, no, I don't want to go. Uh, so I personally, I went. I, like, showed up there. And uh, she and I didn't date for much longer after that. Um, but it was, a, it was a really cool thing to see them. I think Dan might have been there, too, because they had, like, this little, like, section off to the side that was kind of roped off for VIPs. Uh-huh. Um, but it was really fucking good. It was an excellent show. I had a great time. Yeah, they were one of the bands that kind of inspired me to move to Nashville. Cause they, I'd still I, love to see them live. They're worth it, dude. dude. Some of the videos I've seen, he doesn't sound as good vocally. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if he's like not as good a singer if he's just like exhausted while he's up there because I know he's, he's like, moving, moving around, around a, lot. a lot. 
Danny, have you seen them live? No, but I've met Matt Schultz twice. One time on an airplane from Nashville going to L.A. He was sitting a couple rows behind me. And uh, I talked to him when we got off the plane. I saw him pull a guitar down uh, that said CTE on it. And I went up to him and I'm like, is your name Matt? And he was like, yeah. I'm like, you're in Cage the Elephant. And he's like, yes, I am. (laughs) And we just like walked through LAX just like chatting. And then the second time I saw him was the last time that Paramore played in Nashville uh, before they took their their break. Like the last time the original members like all played together at Municipal Auditorium. And I'm pretty sure he's like friends with the drummer from Paramore because he he and the drummer were like, I mean, I of course I'm speculating, but it looked like they were like pretty fucked up and were like joking around backstage and shit after the show. They were they were partying hard, and I met him that night as well. Was it always your dream to be singing in a rock band? I mean, I just wanted to be rocking because I started out playing guitars, and I was like, "This is sick." Yeah. I just like uh, got a guitar, and then my uh, my parents had like you know their CD collection, and I was going through there, and then I like found the Motley Crue's Greatest Hits. Hell yeah! And I would just like play that, and I'd be like, "Damn, this is badass! I want to do this." And so I learned all those songs of guitar, and I would just like crank the thing as loud as it would go, and I would just play along with it. And yeah, always just wanted to rock. Yeah, what else was in that CD collection? Um, there's a lot of like classic rock and hair band stuff. I mean, they had a couple ACDC records, um, some Ted Nugent CDs, um, handful of like a handful of like the greatest hits. Yeah. Just, like, all the bangers by a lot of these rock bands. Yeah. Can't remember what else I... I mean, I, I definitely... <laughs> embarrassed to say it now, but definitely, like, loved Poison, too. Like, when uh-huh. I started out, I think my parents had a couple of Poison CDs. I don't remember if they had any rat. It was, lot, it was definitely a lot of that, like... I mean, they had a lot of stuff. That's just what I gravitated towards, because I'd never heard that before. Like, before that, I had grown up just listening to mostly country music. Like, my parents played a lot of, like, 90s country music. Yeah. And that was what I'd heard. Like I'd Brooks never, and Dunn. I didn't remember, like, hearing stuff like that. Yeah. Like, so then when I started listening to that, I was like, damn, this is badass, because it wasn't on, like, the radio stations that my parents were playing. Yeah. You know? Do you um do you know who Chris Gaines is? I don't think so. Don't okay, so Chris Gaines was Garth Brooks's alter ego that he created in the late 90s. So he was doing it before all these other people. Yeah. So this is Garth Brooks. He looks a little like he should be in My Chemical Romance. Yeah. Well, he that was his whole thing. There's there's like a whole there was a whole thing with this. So he like he he released a greatest hits album as Chris Gaines. This was when Garth Brooks was at the height of his fucking powers. But um there's like a behind the music about Chris Gaines. Uh, in his life, and it is, is this all like a spoof, like a joke? Like, was there any music put out with it? Th- there's actual music, and that was, was it awesome? The the one single that was big, um, was pretty fucking good. It was I can't remember what it was called. Danny, try and find the uh, the single, um, Lost in You. That's what it's called. Okay, 
Chris Gaines. Because now, now, you know, there's like Dirk Bentley has his spoof band that opens up for himself. No, I didn't know that. And then you got uh, Granger Smith. Can you turn it up a little bit? That's him singing? That's that's Garth Brooks. What? Yeah. Have you ever heard this before? No, never. I'll be honest, I haven't either. I've never even heard of this. Maybe I'm just fucking Dude, old. Dude, I can sing. Yeah. It's so funny because he's like in a completely different tone and range, like you know. Yeah. From his. From his normal. From his get up. Big stardom career. Well, the thing that I've gathered just watching interviews with him, I think this was the music he honestly wanted to make, and, like, he just blew up big doing country. Um, but, yeah, it's a fantastic song. I know a couple of the other songs. That's definitely the best one and my favorite one, uh, in my opinion. Um, I completely fucking forgot about it, but it was, it was like you would walk into Walmart and there was a Chris Gaines, you know how, like, how old are you? I'm 31. 31. Okay, so we're the same age. When when you would we used to walk into Walmart, do you remember how they would have, like, Britney Spears CDs right up front, and there was, like, a pop-out with her, right? Mm -hmm. Like there, a cardboard cutout. Yeah. It was the same thing for Chris Gaines. Mm. So it was a whole thing. I wonder um, if he shelled out his own money for that to make think, that happen, or, like, I think his he label did. was just like, eh, we'll just do this because... Well, so I actually just read this. It was a YouTube comment, so I can't confirm this, but someone, a YouTube comment I just read uh, said that people forget that uh, the reason he did this, it was for a movie that ended up never getting released. That's true. He was, he was going to do a whole movie that was about Chris Gaines and how um, he died under suspicious circumstances, and it was going to follow like his number one fan as she tried to solve the mystery of Chris Gaines' death. And then they just did a whole album along with it. They did a like whole... Like, really tried to make the character legit. Yeah, they did. Um, but Garth Brooks says he still has five or six Chris Gaines album, albums that he wants to release, because on the behind the music, um, it's, like, Garth Brooks in character the whole time. As Chris Gaines. And it's kind of weird, because he's like... Uh, <laughs> yeah, is Garth Brooks a serial killer? Have you heard about this? Uh-uh. Yeah, so, um, do you know the podcast Your Mom's House? Uh-uh. Okay, so it's Tom Segura, he's a comedian, um, and Christina P., she's also a comedian. But, uh, they say that basically Garth Brooks is a weird guy. I mean, he is kind of weird, if I'm gonna be honest. Um... But they were saying that his his alter ego, Chris Gaines, is like he's the one that kills people. He's a murderer. Yeah, he's a murderer. But it was it's funny as fuck. But 
if you go on his social media, mm-hmm. straight up, it is just your mom's house fans trolling. Like trolling for, Garth? 100%. For every 20 comments, it's like 20 comments of your mom's house fans and then like one of, a, of an actual Garth fan. Oh, my like God. Like getting upset that people, because they have all these catchphrases from the show that are like inside jokes. Like they say, where are the bodies, Garth? The families need closure. Um this poor guy. Yeah. He can fucking deal with it, dude. He's a, he's yeah, like he's Nashville doing, royalty. He's doing just fine. Yeah. He's taking about a billion years to open his bar downtown on in what's Broadway. The, what's the deal with that? It's I been have... over a year that Paradise Park, the second version of that, shut down in Garth Brooks' bar. It's basically just been like a t-shirt shop for the last while. Really? Yeah, friends in low places. It's been insane opening soon for forever. I mean, it's been over a year. Well over a year. Who did he partner with for this? Do you know Danny? Did you uh, like partner with the I usual dude that owns all the bars down there? I'm trying to see if I can. I mean, there's different pockets, so yeah, of who owns the bars? Like, yeah, there's Icon Entertainment. There's Steve Smith. There's um, the Matt Jones bars and the two dudes that kind of run those ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm just wondering. The, and then there's some of the single, like, standalone ones. I'm just wondering what the circuit is that it's going to be. Yeah, so it was the former, let's see, it was the 411 bar before, was it? Uh, probably it, the former home of downtown sporting, oh, sporting club. club. Yeah, and Which was Paradise, uh, Paradise Park. Park. Man, I loved that place. Oh, yeah, dude. That Like, when I first moved to town, I, there was plenty of nights where I would hang out down on Broadway like the first six months that I, I lived here. Yeah. And I was just drunk all the time. I'm not really even a drinker, but it's just like everywhere you go, people are just handing you beers, you know? Um, but that was at always an end of the night. For sure. Spot. The food, Paradise the Park. food spot. That was the first place I ever played on Broadway. Really? Yeah, I think. Yeah. Were yeah. you sitting in or was that your like your first No, gig like gig? playing a gig with some random people that I'd only had done. I only did a couple of gigs there. Ooh, this might be. But it says it's a question. It says, "Did Garth Brooks cancel his bar's grand opening after Bud Light controversy?" They still got all the stuff up there, so they still got the signs down there. I'm sure it will open. Yeah. Still says coming soon. It does. He paid a lot of money for that building, so. I think okay. it just said like 47 million. I think was what uh, I looked at I it. Thought it, it was more than that. Uh, hold on. It said it in this article. Right here, I think. Uh, God damn it! It said something about how much. Yeah, forty-eight million. Yep, right here, forty-eight million in December slightly of twenty twenty-one. Yeah, so you're right. It really, I mean, I know it takes time to get things going, but I mean, it's been sitting. If he bought it back in December of twenty-one, has um, Ch- uh, Chiefs opened up yet? I don't think so. That's... No, and John Bon Jovi's building one right next to Garth's, too. What? Other, John Bon other, Jovi's building a bar, too? On the other side of Nudie's, they bought the parking lot that was kind of there, that runs between there and Winners, or Losers, I mean, downtown. Is there a, uh, a name yet for Bon Jovi's bar? No, they've hardly done anything. They've just put up some big... Signs. Not No, not signs. There's nothing there. It's a parking lot. Oh, and So damn. far, they're just putting up, like, the steel structure for it, because I guess it's going to be, like, a three-story thing and it's kind of like an l shape and they're like it was just a parking lot there was nothing there 
Oh, so they're shit. just like doing the steel frames for it or whatever. When I first moved to town, um, they were I think just getting like getting ready to do Kid Rocks. Like I, I vividly remember them working on it and seeing like looking down and seeing that they dug the whole structure out. Like dug into the ground so they could rebuild, like they could build the whole thing. Well, originally there was something there that was like a historical building, and they weren't supposed to take it down. And then supposedly Steve Smith just said, Fuck "Paid it. somebody a bunch of money in the middle of the night to destroy it." Yeah. Wait for which building? Kid Rocks. But that would have been. I mean, the the celebrity bars when I moved here, which was after you, there were really no celebrity bars when no. I had first moved here. That's when like the first ones started coming, like Florida like, Georgia Line and Luke and Bryan's, right? Luke Bryan's, Jason Aldean's was after after the. Yeah, it was still Florida Tequila Georgia. Cowboy when I moved to town. It's. I mean, it's that's still down there. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's still like the first floor thing. But I think Florida Georgia Line's was one of the first of that grouping of bars to get going. Yeah, when I when I came here when I was a kid, I have a very vivid memory because my aunt and uncle have lived in Nashville for forever, and they took us down to Broadway, and there was this NASCAR cafe that was down there, and they had these NASCAR cars hanging from the ceiling. Like I, I was super into NASCAR when I was a little kid, uh-huh. um, but I remember that, and then there was a uh, a carousel down at the end of Broadway, like a merry-go-round. Really? Yeah. Um, Imagine that now. I know. It'd just be covered in vomit. Yeah. And piss. My uh, my family, yeah, it, it was kind of funny uh, coming down here and seeing the way that Nashville has changed. Um, and when I was working this job at, a, um, at an apartment community, and there was this old man there. He was probably in his early 70s. His name was Richard. And he had moved to Nashville back in its heyday. And he told me the first night that he moved to town, he went to Tootsie's and um, saw Merle Haggard in the bathroom. And he went up to him and he said, hey, Mr. Haggard, I'm a, I'm a really big fan. Um, just that kind of thing. And Merle Haggard was rolling a joint and he said, uh, nice, you want to smoke this joint with me? <laughs> It was just kind of a different era. You was know? he playing there? He was playing there. Yeah, yeah. he was playing there. Yeah, because uh, Tootsie's, like, the other thing that I've always heard about Tootsie's, like, back in the heyday, like, they would be playing at Tootsie's, whoever was going to be playing, and, like, Johnny Cash would walk over and walk to the Ryman, do a couple of songs for the Grand Ole Opry, Opry and walk back across uh, and keep playing over at Tootsie's. That's crazy. Yeah. I I mean cuz before they had talked about like Broadway was kind of like the the slums before like people yeah. wouldn't go there. There was that's, prostitutes everywhere and a lot of junkies and That's what Richard had always told me. He said you wouldn't go down 2nd Avenue. He said you would get mugged, you would get stabbed. Um he said it was a lot of junkies and a lot of hookers. And yeah. um my aunt told me there was a bunch of porno theaters that used to be on Broadway huh. as well. Um, so it was just kind of sleazy, a different world back then. My grandma would always talk about, like, I think it was some guy she had, like, briefly dated. He owned a bar on Broadway at one point in time a long time ago. And he would always tell her that the musicians that played there, they he, he didn't pay them anything. He paid them nothing. They would just come in and they would play for free. Damn. And eventually he's, like, so, I mean, he's probably dead now anyways, but. 
sold he sold that place probably for nothing also compared yeah. to can you imagine what, what it would be now off. damn so what do you guys have uh slated what do you have coming up um we got a big show coming up at sky deck which is the rooftop of assembly food hall downtown um the original show with this band called the revelry revelry um and then uh kind of finished up the rest of our traveling for this year so now we're just working on we're just waiting on mixes for some new songs one of them was like the song that we played on agt it's called dead to me and then another original song and then we're working on the cover which of the first one the billy eilish one because so many people like asked for it hell yeah and now when we look on spotify if you like type in i think if you type in bad guy True Villains is, like, the first thing that pops up because people are trying to search for it, but it doesn't actually exist. Oh, Like, on shit. Spotify. Um, a truly supply and demand. Yeah, so on Spotify, our our thing is the first thing that comes up, which has definitely helped our Spotify numbers, too. That's awesome. But uh, we're doing that cover, and then The Hills one, too, which we had actually recovered a while ago because people were asking for that one before when we would play, like, at our live shows. Um... And then just trying to get back in the studio, too, with our producer. Mm -hmm. But he's just been gone a lot lately, and we were gone with the AGT thing. And then we had some San Diego shows and some Indianapolis shows. But now we're back in town, and we'll probably just be chilling here until the end of the year and just working on recording songs and putting stuff out. Very nice. Where can people find you at? Everywhere. Apple Music, Spotify, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. All the shit. Cool. Fuck yeah. Well, dude, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course. Keep on dreaming. See you next week.